Thank you for listening, and we hope this message will strengthen and help you in your walk with God. In Psalms chapter 23, the Word of God says here in verse 3, He restores my soul. The word restores has an S after it. That tells me that it's an ongoing thing for most of us, that God restores our soul. He has to restore our souls. In other words, our soul sometimes, it's the one that takes the hit. It's the one that the enemy, you know, messes with. And why do we say that? Well, because the soul is the mind, the will, and the emotions. And in the mind and the will and the emotions, we have to understand a few things that, you know, the mind can be the devil's play field. He can mess with your mind. Uh, You know, many of us have had a conversation where somebody said something and we received it one way and they meant it a different way. And so, therefore, we act upon it in that particular way. And this is why the Bible says that, you know, to be carnal-minded is an enmity against God. You know, to try to, you know, figure it out in your own mind, you can open up an avenue of of missing God. I can't tell you how many times that, uh, you know, I've tried to help God out and uh, he reminded me he didn't need my help. And in trying to help God out, you know, I was going a direction that he really didn't want me to go in. You know, nothing too harmful. Just let me encourage you, if that's happened to you, when you're seeking God's will, you're in God's will. Isn't that good news? You know, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. But, you know, our minds, you know, we get these ideas, preconceived ideas. You know, we may think somebody doesn't like us, and they're like, well, I don't know what your problem is. I don't have a problem with you at all. You know, and many times we start dwelling on negative things. We let negative things get inside of us. You know, and the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, and that word heart is really referring to your mind, your, your, your soul. And so he sa- it says here in the Word of God, he restores our soul, our mind, our will, and our emotions. Well, when our mind gets so uh, uh, cluttered up, sometimes our will gets involved. We get to the point where we begin to think, well, what's the use, or why try, or why even serve God? And this is where the enemy really wants to get in and start messing with you is through the area of your soul. Somebody say, I want my soul back. And so he restores our soul. The Passion Bible says it like this. That's where he restores and revives my life. He opens before me pathways to God's pleasures and leads me along his footsteps of righteousness so that I can bring honor to his name. In the book of Romans, it says it's the goodness of God that leads a person to repentance. Repentance is not a bad thing in the church. It's been used in, in, in such a wrong light because a lot of people feel like repentance means come to the altar, cry, and feel sorry for your sins. Nothing wrong with weeping and being broken because you've sinned. But the whole point of repentance is returning back to God. Repentance, we ought not have a repentance service every three months so we can all get right with God. Repentance ought to be a lifestyle. 
a returning to God, a regular returning to God. In the Old Testament, it says it like this. God says, and when you return back to me, and when you return back to me, that's what repentance is. The Bible says that when we repent and are converted, then times of refreshing will come. But when we return to God, Jesus said this, come all who are heavy and laden uh, and burdened, come to me. I will give you rest. I'll give you refreshing. I will strengthen you. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. This is all about repentance. It's about coming to God. In other words, it should be a lifestyle to return to God on a regular basis. You know, when we put God first, we'll find out that, you know, uh, we'll see God put us first. And uh, that's not by works, but, you know, other words, you know, we'll be in the very perfect will of God. We shouldn't be praying, you know, God to be on our side. What we should be praying is that we are on God's side, that we are, are following his path, you know, and that's the key. And this is what prayer does for a lot of people. Prayer just helps us hear from God that we may follow his plan and his purpose for our lives. But he restores, and that word restore means to refresh or to repair, and in life, we go through challenges. The Bible talks about persecution. Two Thursdays ago, Vicki just brought an excellent message on the fact that there will be persecutions. You know, Jesus said there'll be trials and tribulations, but be of good courage because I've overcome them all. And if he's overcome them all and his spirit is in you, then you can overcome them all. And this is what we have to understand is that when we begin to have our minds renewed, that no matter what we're going through, God is going to make a way because he's a way maker. You know, we just sang that song, Too Good Not to Believe. You know, this is one of the things that God spoke to me in prayer this morning. He said, if you'll continue to rehearse what I've done, then I'm going to do twice as much for you in the future. You know, and so we just begin to rehearse. You know, look what God's done in 25 years here in this ministry. It's nothing more than a miracle. And I just want to let you know that when God begins to work on your life and you begin to have favor, yes, there'll be other people who will mock you. We're going to go over that here in just a moment. We're going to see how, how a particular patriarch that we really look up to, he was mocked. He was belittled, but yet God still used him. We're going to have to get over these things because why? Because the enemy wants to use that mocking, that belittling, that making fun of uh, in, in order to damage our soul, but he restores our soul. Somebody say, I want my soul back so he's constantly renewing he's constantly wanting to renew and our souls are renewed through the word of god that's why romans chapter 12 1 and 2 says i beseech you brethren by the mercy of god that you present your bodies a living sacrifice holy and acceptable unto god which is your reasonable service so one of the keys for your soul to be restored or your soul to stay whole is to make sure you're in a good environment hello somebody an environment that's not damaging to your soul. You know, I've seen it so many times, and I, I can't tell you how much I agree with it, you know, but I see sometimes people will post on Facebook, you know, hey, it's not wrong to walk away from a relationship that's damaging you. That is so true. There is so much truth to that, you know, and I understand that there are times that we have to work things out, and, you know, and just don't throw in the towel just because something didn't work out today in a relationship, but you know, that's true. You have to guard your heart, and that's what Proverbs says. Guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it comes the issues of life. So we do have to guard our heart. We do have to ask ourselves, are we in an environment that is encouraging us and strengthening us and edifying us and uh, and 
encouraging us to go forward for God. You know, there's a lot of things going out in the world. There's a lot of places that, that you can go, and people are not edifying you to seek God. They're not edifying you to go after God. And this is why we come to the house of God. The Bible says, don't forsake yourselves of the assemblies of yourself, that you may edify one another. This is why we come together, so we can edify one another. You know, we are not the weird ones. We are not the strange one. The world's strange. We're the right ones. Come on, somebody. And why are we letting the minority tell us that we're the problem with the world? No, they're the problem with the world. We're living upright. You know, we're trying to please God. What is wrong with that? And why are we so belittled for that? Why are so many hate things put on, on social media when we stand for righteousness? Well, because we live in a corrupt world, and this is why we need revival. You know, I was getting my hair cut, you know, a, a few weeks ago, and this lady was telling me how bad it was and how bad the world was. I said, this is why we need revival. She goes, what is revival? Oh, I hadn't had that question asked in a long time. I've been hanging out with you guys too long, you know. <laughs> so I had to explain to her what revival was. Her answer was, I don't talk religion and I don't talk politics. So I began to give her a social study lesson. I said, do you know what our Constitution was based upon? She said, I told you I didn't talk, you know, politics. I said, hon, this isn't politics. This is social studies. You know, that's how far her mind had gone in the world. She didn't even know what the difference between social studies was and politics. But I did get into her and say, well, our Constitution, you know, does you know, was framed by godly men, Christian men. And I said, we have three branches of government. I said, isn't it something that we serve a God of three branches? I said, you know, God has always been in this nation, and this is why we need revival. So when I went home, my wife said, what happened to your hair? <laughs> One side of my head was butchered. I guess... She wasn't happy. But, you know, thank God, he restoreth my hair. <laughs> but the Bible goes on and says, don't be conformed to this world. I refuse to let her opinion conform me. I'm still going to be a voice. I still put the seed of God's word out there, even though they didn't want to hear it. Why? Because that word will not return void. So be not conformed, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that word renew means to change for the better. But the word transform is a word called metamorpho, which we get our word metamorphosis from. And what's interesting about metamorphosis is before metamorphosis can actually begin in the process of whatever animal it works in, it first of all has to be born first. And so metamorphosis happens in each and every one of us when we are born again. God begins to change us. Our minds begin to be renewed. And so we become a better person as the process or what I would call spiritual metamorphosis. Somebody say, I want my soul back. In life, there are things that have been said. There are things that affect us. We may have heard something wrong. And we need to begin to go to God and say, God, help me to look at things the way you see things. So go with me to 1 Samuel chapter 22. We're going to talk about David here and what he went through and what God had to do in his life in order for his soul to be restored. 1 Samuel 
chapter 22, starting with verse 1, and we'll read through verse 5. David therefore departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. Why did David escape from the cave of Adullam? Just to give you a quick synopsis of what's going on here. He was already anointed by God to be the next king. And Saul, the king, was so jealous of him. Saul should have been mentoring him to be king, but Saul was trying to kill him because he was so jealous of the success that David had, especially in the battlefield. So David had to flee from Saul. And so he went to the cave in Adullam. So when uh, his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. And everyone, look at this, everyone who was distressed, everyone who was in debt, and everyone who was discontented gathered to him. What a good church group to start with. Isn't that wonderful? I mean, how challenging would it be as a pastor if everybody came in who was discontented, in debt, and distressed? You know, what kind of message would God want me to give? You know, and David had to have his soul restored to say, listen, this, is, this is, might be where you're at, but this is not where you're going to finish. Hello, somebody. This might be where you're at, but this is not where you're going to finish. Don't stay there. Amen? Even if you have to take little steps to get where God calls you to be. You know, the Bible says the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. One step at a time. As they say, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. And so, you know, we want to take it one step at a time. Don't get overwhelmed by where you're not at right now. Begin to rejoice that you have the ability to take a step out of where you're at and into where God wants you to be. Everyone who is in distress, everyone, the word distress here means anguish or stressed or in a place of straightness. What does the place of straightness mean? It means like going into a canyon where there's no way out and the enemy's behind you. That's what that really means. It feels like a place of control. It feels like there is no way, there's no possible way that you can get out of the situation you're in. You feel so confined, you feel so bound, you feel so out of control that somebody else or some situation is so much in control in your life that you have absolutely no way out of it. How many of you remember uh, some of the stories about a straight jacket that they used to use, you know, uh, in, in mental health situations? You know, well, that's what that means. You're so confined find you can't do anything. And that's what this straightness means. And this is what the word distress means. These men that came to David were so confined in their minds. Hello, somebody. In their own soul. Somebody say, I want my soul back. That they felt like they couldn't accomplish anything. So they came to David, who was running from Saul at the particular time. What a great group of people to get together. And not only were they distressed, but they were in debt. Now, this word debt means they had no way of paying it back. There was no way of them in the natural realm being able to pay it back. We may mortgage something. We may mortgage a car. We may mortgage a house, you know, but at least we have collateral, which means that if we can't pay it, you know, the house goes back or the car goes back, you know. But in this situation, they owed money that they had no collateral for. They had no way of paying it back, and they were in bondage to the people that they owed money too. So not only are they in strait, not only are they anguished, not only are they in stress, not only do they feel like there's no way out, but they feel like if they go back to where they came from, it's all over. Their families will be sold, they'll be sold, and there's no future in this. And they were discontent. And that word discontent means they were angry and bitter about the situation and probably a situation they had no control over. 
there's a good chance that Saul, you know, uh, put some type of sanctions on them and their family because they were associated with David. And this is what the world wants to do to the church. They want to put sanctions on us. Hello, somebody. Come on, help me with this. You know, they want to control us. Well, you know, if you only, if, if you just go to church on Sunday, we're fine. No, we're not going to church on Sunday, honey. We're going to change our nation. We're going to change our county. We're going to change our city because we're believing in a God. And don't tell me that he can't do it because he's done it once and he'll do it again. Amen. And so one of the things that David had to do was he, first of all, had to receive these kind of people. Listen, don't get discouraged when people aren't perfect that are, not around, that are around you. Listen, there's always a diamond in the rough. You know, all diamonds start as a piece of coal. Come on, somebody. You know, that's fossil fuel. And what's coal used for? Well, it's used to burn, you know. It's used to, you know, to, uh, uh, make the fire hot enough to boil water that produces steam, that produces generators, that produces electricity. That's how it starts. But with enough pressure, hello, somebody. With enough pressure, with enough pressure, somebody say, I want my soul back. With enough pressure, it becomes a diamond. You know, and with enough pressure, the white kind of pressure, whatever you feel like today, you might feel like you're a lump of coal, but God's turning you into a nice, shiny diamond. Amen? That's what God wants to do in your life. So he had to receive those. Secondly, it says here that he took his father and mother. Look at this in verse 4. So he brought, I mean, verse 3. So when David uh, uh, went from there to Mizpah of Moab, he said to the king of Moab, please let my father and mother come here with you till I know what God will do for me. So he brought them before the king of Moab, and they dwelt with him all the time that David was in the stronghold. Now, let me just get this straight. David, is this the same father that when the prophet Samuel came to the house to anoint uh, somebody to be king, he's the same father that ignored you? He's the same father that left you in the field? That's the same father, same David. Isn't that the same David? Can you imagine how David felt, you know, when, you know, when the Samuel, the prophet said, you know, he went through all the brothers. Do we have one more? Well, I've got, I got my youngest one. He's just, he's a little different, you know. He, uh, he goes and sings to the sheep, <laughs> plays his harp, you know. He has these songs he's written to God. He's, uh, he's a little different. We just don't really see the potential of him becoming a king. And the, Sam, and the prophet said, bring him to me. Can you imagine, you know, what it feels like to be overlooked, you know, by your own father? But yet he had to have his soul restored, come on somebody, to be able to go to the king of Moab and say, hey, take care of my father. You know, one of the things that God's looking for, he is looking for divine honor. He's looking for divine honor. Listen, if I'm going to err, I'd rather err on the side of honor more than err on the side of disrespect. You know, I'd rather show honor than show disrespect because, you know, again, when you honor the right people, the Bible says when you honor your father and mother with long life will I give unto you. That's a promise, young people. I'll say it one more time. That's a promise, young people. When you honor your father and your mother with long life, I will give unto you. So David honored his, his, his parents. You know, there's that divine honor. That's, there's that a divine submission. And then David had to let go of some regrets. Well, how do you know David had to let go of some regrets? Remember what his brother said when he showed up for the uh, uh, battle when Goliath was out there taunting everybody? Remember what they said? 
we know your heart. You're just a naughty little boy. You know, what are you doing here? Who have you left those few little sheep with? What did they do? They belittled him, you know, and he had to let go of those regrets. You know, complaining leads to subtraction, not addition. Hello, somebody. The Bible says do all things, say all things, without murmuring or complaining. Now say I want my soul back. (laughs) Where does it all begin? It all begins on the inside of us. You know, that complaining, that murmuring, you know, well, how come this didn't happen? Why didn't they do this? Why? Yeah, my wife and I, we were coming to church this morning, and uh, we, uh, we had our insurance on our home raised, and we just started to kind of complain. And then we stopped. You know, thank God we stopped. Amen? And we asked God to forgive us. Ah, oh, there's nothing to complain about. Thank God we've got the money to pay the increase on the insurance. Amen? Do all things without. And see, what a lot of people don't understand is that, you know, you get in the house of God and they go, well, I know I shouldn't complain about church. I know I shouldn't complain about pastor. That's a good one. Anyway, I know I shouldn't complain, you know, about how long the service is or anything like that, you know, so I'm not going to play. No, listen, once you leave the door open to complain in any area of your life, once you leave the door, uh, door open for an offense in any area of your life, not just church, you leave the door for the enemy to come in and start doing damage on your soul. We have to guard our hearts. That means that we shouldn't complain about our workplace. That means we shouldn't complain about our workplace. That means we shouldn't complain about our workplace. Hello, somebody. You know, thank God somebody hired you. Huh? Let's see the best in everything. Somebody say, I want my soul back. And so David had to let go of regrets. Well, how do we let go of regrets? Well, Isaiah chapter 54, 18 says, forget the former things, nor consider the things of old. You know, we have to train our minds. We have to tell ourselves from time to time, don't think about that. Don't dwell on that. The Bible says that when you dwell on those things which are true and lovely, those things which are worthy of praise, those things that, you know, are, are of a good report, then the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your heart. What is the peace of God? The peace of God basically is not just a place of tranquility, which is nice. The peace of God is the fullness of God, the completion of God. And this is why we need our souls back so we can begin to meditate on who we are in Christ. Our identity shouldn't be based on someone else's opinion. Our identity should be based on who God says we are. And God says you're the apple of his eye. You're his favorite. He made you the head and not the tail. Above only and not beneath. Blessed in the city, blessed in the field, blessed coming in and blessed going out. He will cause everything that you put your hands to to prosper. That's God's plan for your life. You are his favorite. Tell your neighbor you're God's favorite. You are God's favorite. God wants the very best for you. Our identity should come from who God says we are, what the word of God says we are. And this is how we get our souls back. Well, go with me to 2 Peter chapter 1, and we're going to go through a process of what the scripture says on, on how we can begin this process of getting our soul back. 1 Peter, excuse me, 2 Peter. Chapter 1, and I'm going to read from 1 through verse 10, and then we'll break it down a little bit. Simon Peter, bondservant of the apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who obtain like precious faith, is that you? To those, who's he speaking, who have obtained the like precious faith with us by righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, grace, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord, as his divine power... As his divine power has given us all things, 
all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who's called us by glory and virtue by which you have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these we may be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that I'm not really walking in all that God has for me. Have you ever asked yourself that question from time to time for me? Man, God, I know there's more. I know you have more for me. I know you want more for me. Well, you know what I need to do? I need to begin to practice what this Word of God says. I need to receive that divine power. I need to say, you know, to myself, hey, he's already given me all things that pertain to life and godliness. I don't need to, you know, I don't need to ask him for anything else. I need to receive it. And what is it that hinders us from receiving it? Again, it's our souls. Somebody say, I want my soul back. It's our souls. It's what's been damaged. It's this feeling of, well, maybe I'm not good enough. Or maybe, you know, uh, maybe somebody else is more special than I am. And this is why it's so important that we don't compare ourselves one to another. That's why Paul said in Corinthians, hey, it's not wise that you compare yourself one to another because when you begin to do that, you begin to think, well, maybe that person's better than I am and so therefore God blesses him more than he blesses me. No, that's not right. You are just as eligible for the blessings of God as anybody else. Somebody say, I'm getting my soul back. So you've been given these exceedingly, exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue and virtue knowledge, and knowledge self-control, and self-control perseverance, and perseverance godliness, and godliness brotherly kindness, and the brotherly kindness love. For if these things are yours and abound you, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You won't be barren. In other words, you will be fruitful in these things. But look at this, verse 10, or verse 9. And for he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even the blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brother, be even more diligent to make your call and your election sure, for if you do these things, you will never stumble. You'll never stumble. I don't know. I'm pressing towards this. I want to get to the place that I don't stumble on, you know, uh, past regrets, on, you know, somebody else's opinion uh, uh, of of my soul being damaged. I'm getting to the place where I'm not going to stumble. Well, how do you do that? Well, it says right here, you know, what you need to do is you need to, for this very reason, give all diligence. In other words, you know, it should be a lifestyle on a regular basis that I add to my faith virtue that I add uh, knowledge to my virtue, self-control to my knowledge, perseverance uh, to my self-control, godliness to my perseverance, brotherly kindness to godliness, and love to brotherly kindness. In other words, the Word of God says you need to constantly be working and being diligent at the adding these things in your life or making it your lifestyle. How many of you usually wake up in the morning and get out of bed? Why? That's your lifestyle. Most of the time, many of us, we have breakfast. Why? Because that's your lifestyle. Some of us go to work. Why? Because that's your lifestyle. There's a lot of things that you have incorporated in your lifestyle. And God says, if you want to escape the corruption that's in this world, if you want your soul back, then you need to make it diligent and become a part of your lifestyle that you not only add to your faith virtue, but you add knowledge to that. It needs to become a part of your lifestyle. You know, when you change your physical diet, it changes your physical being. Hello, somebody. It changes you from the inside out. Well, when you change your spiritual diet, it changes your physical being. It changes you from the inside out. 
And this is what Paul's saying to Peter. You want to experience this divine power? I've already given you, you know, according to his divine power, I've given you all things that pertain to life and to godliness. Okay, if it's there, what do I need to do? I need to be diligent to add to these things the knowledge. Where do I get the knowledge from? I get the knowledge from the Word of God. The Passion uh, Bible says it like this in verse 10. For this reason, beloved ones, be eager to confirm and validate that God has invited you to the salvation and claim you as his own. If you do these things, you will never stumble. And this is the whole purpose that the enemy tries to bring in trials and tribulations. You know one of the things Jesus said in John 14, 1, he says, let not your heart be troubled. That's your soul. How do you not let your heart be troubled? Believe God. What was the number one problem with the children of Israel when they came out of Egypt? They didn't believe God. You know, that was it. You know, uh, you know God parted the Red Sea. Is that all you can do? <laughs> wow. You know, Moses threw, a, you know, a, a piece of wood into, you know, some bitter waters, and they became sweet, and they could drink it. Is that all you can do? Moses struck a rock, and, and water came out of the rock. Fresh water came out of the rock. Is that all you can do? You know, God covered them by cloud by day so they didn't have to use sunscreen and a fire by night so they didn't have to build their own fires and warm themselves. Is that all you can do? You know, and we would think, you know, my gosh, if God did some of that, what would be the problem with believing? But you have to understand, they were so damaged by their oppressors. Hello, somebody. They were so damaged by the world system that they needed their souls restored. Somebody say, I want my soul back. This is what we need. We need to get our souls restored so that we can believe that, you know, he, you know, I believe, I, be, I, I believe, and I know he can do it. He's just been too good for me not to believe. And this is why it's so important we begin to rehearse. You remember what you were like before you got saved? We don't want to hear about it. Hello, somebody. You know, remember what God did for you when he touched you? How many of you have been touched by God? How many of you have received a miracle? How many of you have been supernaturally healed by God? You know, I want you to, all of you that have your hands up, you're going to testify next Sunday. We want to hear what God's done in your life. It's important because if he'll do it for you, he'll do it for me. This is why we need, and I mean that, we need to have a good old testimony service. And we're going to have that next Sunday for those who want to come. You know, I'm not going to force you, but for those who want to come, you know, and try to keep it short, okay? We're not giving you an opportunity to preach the whole message, okay? But come and bring your testimonies. Why? We need to hear what he's done for you. Why? Because if he'll do it for you, he'll do it for me. You know, and Vicky was talking about, you know, when we first started, we came here, we didn't know very many people. We didn't know enough people to start a church. And I read this book about, you know, how to start a church by Rick Warren, you know, and I read another book, uh, you know, uh, uh, the how, to, how to start a church, you know. And I didn't have the resources that I needed to do what they did, you know. So we came up here and uh, we looked around. It was August. It was just about, you know, uh, 25 years ago next month, wasn't it? We came up here, you know, and we had a realtor take us around. And in fact, one of the churches in town was for sale. And we walked in there, you know, and, and uh, it was the old Community Methodist Church. That's where I used to do some of my Bible studies. That's where I got involved in the charismatic Bible study. Boy, this feels right, you know. We walked in there. Boy, it wasn't right, you know. And so, but we couldn't afford, I don't know how much it was, you know. It was more than we could afford. So anyway, so they took us around and all these places. And finally, they took us to this old bar. And they said, what do you think? I said, this will work. My wife said, let's get out of here. 
I mean, it stunk. I mean, it was bad. There were dead animals in there. I mean, it hadn't been cleaned in probably six months. And I mean, it was really, really bad. I said, yeah, we can make this happen. And so this particular property, you know, was an old bar. And uh, the person who owned it had gotten in some legal trouble. And so in order to get out of legal trouble, uh, they, they said, if you'll just donate this, piece of property will, you know, dismiss all the charges against you. It's, it's a little deeper than that. I don't need to go into that, but nevertheless. So he donated it to his church, and his church didn't know what to do with it. And so they offered this piece of property to us for $400 a month, and we signed an eight-month lease, and the first two months were free. You know, what a deal. Now, we could afford that. You know, a lot of times people miss God because they try to get in something they can't afford. You know, sometimes using common sense is walking in faith. Hello, somebody. That's for free. That doesn't have anything to do with my message, but somebody needed to hear that. But, you know, so we, we knew we could do this. You know, we didn't know how long my wife was going to stay on staff. You know, we had mentioned to my pastor that maybe, you know, I'll come up to Columbia and stay up here and Vicky can stay back. And he told us, that won't work. That won't work. That won't work. Six months later after we were doing it, he said, Tom, this shouldn't work. This shouldn't work. A year later, he said, it really shouldn't work, but it's working. Eighteen months later, he said, it shouldn't work. Two years later, I said, I want my wife back. <laughs> I think she'd still be there if they'd let her. But anyway, but she flew back, back and forth. But, but we went to this old bar, you know, and it's nothing. So we, we cleaned it up. We painted it. We didn't own it. You got to understand, we didn't own it. And so anyway, uh, but we talked about buying this old bar from them. You know, well, how much do you want? How much do you want to give? How much do you want? How much do you want to give? You got to understand, there was a gravel road going up to this old bar. It wasn't even paved. And so we did some studying, or not studying, investigating, and found out that, you know, whoever owned this piece of property had to put in a $25,000 driveway. Well, we didn't have $25,000. You know, we have any money to do that with. We didn't have any money to buy the place. And so anyway, this is what we found out. Now, please do not get offended. Put your hands on your heart so I won't get offended. Okay, and so what they did was they on purpose, sent somebody to the place to look at it with me there to give me the idea that those people were going to buy it. And so I found this out from one of their staff. They came and told me the truth, and I didn't know it. So here comes somebody walking through. Yeah, we're interested in buying this. So they called me up, and they said, we got somebody who's going to buy this property, but we'll let you buy it first. But we got somebody to buy this property. So what, is, what am I going to do? You know, I was either going to have to find another place or I'm going to have to buy the property. And we'll sell it to you for $125,000. Well, this gravel driveway and all this other stuff. So we said, okay, we're going to step out in faith. So we stepped out in faith and we signed a deal and we got uh, uh, the first year interest free. We had to come up with $25,000 down payment. We didn't have $5,000, okay? We had almost 30 people. That's children and everybody. Once in a while, they'd bring a pet. We'd count them. We got 31. But anyway, we're just kidding a little bit. But no, we were not a very big congregation, and there was no way in the natural realm. So I called up my pastor. I said, well, we got this opportunity. He says, I'm going to send you $10,000. Whoa, praise God. Now we got 15000 Just need to believe for another ten. You know, but if, if any of you know the history of where we came from, our church started a television station in Kampala, Uganda, the very first Christian television station there. And all of a sudden, they had some legal battles in another nation. And my pastor called me up and said, Tom, I would love to be able to give you that 10000 but I can't right now. I will 
And he did keep his word. It did come through. But we needed it now. But somehow God, in how many days? 30 days? 30 days, somehow God brought in an additional $20,000. So now we got a down payment, okay? Praise God. Yes, let's give God praise. Oh, got through that. So we got the $25,000, except for one thing. What about the driveway? So we put in the contract that the, the, the people we were buying from the, the property from had to pay for the driveway. And I know they didn't read the contract. So I called them up out of good conscience. I didn't have to. I said, did you know that this is in the contract? No, we did not. Er, they pulled the contract. Well, as time went on, eventually, because they pulled the contract and then end up honoring the contract, they end up paying for the driveway. And not only was the driveway put in, but the person who did the driveway and did the asphalt, he decided to bless us and asphalt it all the way up to the property. Now, that's the favor of God. Amen? Amen. So we didn't have to pay for that $25,000 driveway. So now we're in this place, you know, that all we ever did was painting it, but now it's time to remodel. And so we began to remodel that place, and we paid $60,000 and had that place completely remodeled and paid cash for it and got it paid off in two and a half years. Only God can do that. Why are, we, we, why are we rehearsing this? Because the word of the Lord came to me today and said, those things I've done for you, if you begin to rejoice and rehearse those things I've done for you, I'm going to do twice as much for you in the future. Amen. This is why we're rehearsing that. That's the old location. Many of you have never seen the lo old location. It's still there. You know, it's a place where a guy uses it to repossess cars now. And so anyway, we're growing, you know. And we're growing, and we're in this old place. Eddie and Sandy were there. Anybody else there that's in this congregation? Uh, yeah, Matt and Heather were there, okay? And so uh, there's a few of you that were in that old location. And it was a nice little chapel, you know, but we had to go to two services, and so we were growing. The bathrooms were really bad. <laughs> that was one thing we never did get to remodel. But we were growing, and we remodeled it. You know, this is three or four years later, and we're looking all over because there's no place to grow. We need a, a youth center. So the asphalt man had this warehouse behind us, and we went to him, and we asked, and they said, well, can we rent part of your warehouse? He said, you sure can. And we, well, how much will you rent? He rented us 7,000 square feet. Say 7,000 square feet. Say it over here, 7,000 square feet 7, for $200 a month. So now we had a youth center. Well, there was a, someone who was doing work on the other side of, the, uh, uh, of that particular building. He had, a, he had a, a business that went bankrupt, and he had a double-wide trailer there. It cost him $20,000 to set up that double-wide trailer. He went bankrupt. They're having an auction. I told my wife, I said, God told me that I can get that double-wide trailer for our children's ministry, $2,500. And um, I don't think she believed me at first. And uh, she was kind of like, mm, I'm not sure, you know, I'm not sure that's really the Lord. And then I think she thought I meant $25,000. I'm not really sure. And then so when I really told her, I said, no, I'm not going to bid $25,000 on that thing. Oh, I'm going to bid $2,500. I went to the auction, and sure enough, God allowed us to get that double-wide trailer for $2,500. So now we're growing, but we still have no place to go. 
We're running two services. And then Pastor Bob and I were having lunch, and he spoke to me, and he said, we were about ready to get up for lunch. We were in Fort Worth down there visiting our family, and we were having lunch, and we began to get up, and he sat back down. He said, we need to have a word of prayer. Well, all right, let's pray. You know, you mean you prayed right there in the restaurant? Well, why not? And God spoke to him and said, Tom, there's going to be a church that's going to come to you and want to merge with you. I said, oh, okay. You know, I wonder where that's at. Well, we had been renting the, not renting, we had been allowing another church to use our youth facility because they, you know, they were struggling. And, and, and he said that his bishop said that they, if they didn't grow anymore, that they were going to remove him and close down the church. But we let him use our youth facility. And so my natural mind said, well, maybe that congregation will merge with us. You know, I mean, that's what you think. And then lo and behold, we're having church, and the transition team comes to church. We didn't even know they came to our church. You know, we were just growing and just having fun and enjoying God and having two services. The transition team came to our church, and one day they, walked, they asked if they could meet with me, didn't know who they were. Well, huh? The transition team of this church. Okay, thank you. Trying to help clarify the story make sure you understand so they came from this church they came to our office walked in the office and sat down and the first thing they said was preacher you want to merge churches it's like whoa i got this word from god you know and so we looked at all this and we 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 thought well is it possible so called up pastor bob and said told him what the possibility was reminded him of the word that we had he said, well, why don't you go out and look at the place? So Vicki and I, we walked out here, and boy, did we have a piece about this place. Well, you know, it's a, it was indebted, had a big debt on it. We didn't know where we were going to get the money, didn't know how to do all this. And so God had allowed us to live at that particular time on a 300-acre, on a what would you call it, estate, beautiful place, 20,000 square foot house, and next to that 20,000 square foot house was a loft, and we lived in that loft there. And the uh, businessman said, if you ever need anything, he never gave us any money, but he said, if you ever need anything, why don't you just give me a call? Well, I thought, well, I'll call him. So we called him. He said, come on in my office. So we went into his office, and we said, hey, we have this opportunity, but we don't know how to do this. He calls the bank that has the loan on this place calls the bank, and the whole bank stops to listen to him. Well, it wasn't quite like that, but it seemed that way, didn't it? <laughs> you know, I mean, he's one of the bank investors. You know, this, is, this guy has some money. He's one of the bank investors. So he's talking to the president of commercial lending, and he begins to tell him about our situation. And the president of commercial bank banking said, this is really strange. He said, because the former pastor, who is the vice president of commercial lending, the former pastor of this church, walked in my office and said, I don't know what they're going to do because they were just about ready to think about foreclosure on this property. Most people didn't know that. The transition team didn't even know that. They said, but there's no way they're going to be able to afford this. And so usually what they do is they go through all your finances, they go through the church giving, you know, and, and look at your budget to see if you can afford this. And so this businessman said, well, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go ahead and give Tom and Vicki a loan at this particular time, interest only, and uh, see if you can go ahead and make that transition. So the banker said, okay. He cleaned off his calendar that day. 
How many bankers do that? He said, come in and see us. It was on a Monday. Cleaned out his calendar, said, come in and see us. Didn't ask us anything about our finances. Bankers don't do that either. Okay? And didn't check any of our records. Didn't take our social security number. Didn't take my blood type. You know how it is. You know, when you get a loan, I mean, there's a stack of paper this thick that you're signing, you don't even know what you're signing, you know. Nothing. And on Friday, they gave us the keys to this property. And we had a debt. Much bigger than what we thought. Well, we bought the old location for $125,000. We put $60,000 into it. And so now we got to sell this old location, and within five years, they're appraised to $365,000. And within 30 days, we sold it for $300,000. Now, bam, we took the, what, was, what was owed on this and put that towards this. There wasn't a parking lot out here. It was gravel. The building wasn't officially, uh, let's see, what's the word I'm looking for? We call it bought off in the engineering field, but... Uh, the uh, permit wasn't closed. It was on a temporary permit because the parking lot hadn't been paid. And so we got the parking lot paid, got the building permit completely bought off, and, and, and paid, uh, paid down about $300,000 within 60 days. Paid this property off in two and a half years. And then we bought the property behind us and paid that off in another two and a half years. Why am I telling you this? Because we need our souls renewed I mean, these are, these are awesome things that God did here for us. And we need our souls renewed to know that if God said, those things I did for you, if you'll rejoice, I'll do twice as much. Can you imagine twice as much? Come on, somebody, let's praise God in this house. This is why we have this expectation you say, well, you know, you're, you know, locate, you know, when I talk to my friends about churches and stuff like that, you know, location, 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 location. You know what? When you're in God's location, it doesn't matter. He can have revival in a cornfield, you know. And so many of you know that we had a friend here last week, John uh, Jacobs, you know, the power team, you know, breaks bats and breaks handcuffs off and goes into schools and wins lots of people to the Lord. He said, we were out having lunch yesterday. He said, man, you guys got it going there. Spirit of God's in that place. Now, this is a guy who goes to a lot of churches. I mean, he's been to thousands of churches. He said, the Spirit of God's in that place. He said, and I believe that you're going to double by this fall. I was with a pastor down in Branson, end of May, 1st of June, when we were having vacation. I went and visited a pastor. And he goes, you know what? God showed me, he said, you're going to grow significantly in the next two years. Wow. Somebody say, I want my soul back. You got to begin to see this is going to happen for you. Because if your soul's damaged, you're not going to see it. Well, you know, sometimes, you know, and this and that. Yeah, I want my soul back. Somebody say, I want my soul back. I want my soul back. I want to be able to see the way God sees. God has a plan for your life. God has a plan for my life. And if we begin to rejoice for what God has done, he's going to do twice as much 
for us what he's done in the beginning. Because that's the kind of God he is. I mean, we started with the blessing of God. We're going to finish with the blessing of God. Amen. We started with the favor of God. We're going to finish with the favor of God. Hallelujah. We're going to see great things. Come on, somebody say, I want my soul back. You've got to begin to get rid of some of the old thinking and let God start expanding your thinking. It's not in my notes. I'm just way out there. I hope this is okay. I just looked at what time it is. So let me just give you this scripture. Isaiah 54. All I can say is get ready, get ready, get ready. I don't know how it's going to happen. And like I've said before, when it comes to money, if God needs to send a three-legged dog with a bag full of money, and he did that, I won't get into it, but we literally had a three-legged dog walk into this auditorium with a bag full of money around his neck. But, you know, somebody kind of did it for us because I say that. But, you know, I don't know how God's going to do it, but he can do it. Amen. Amen? You know, and we are open to whatever he has for us. Single barren, Isaiah 54, verse 1. You have not born. Break forth in a singing and cry aloud. You have not labored with child. For more are the children of the desolate. Who was it that came to the cave of Adullam? The desolate. You know, so many times we overlook the harvest because we're looking for the ripe harvest when we need to look for the potential harvest. You know, that drug addict, they're a potential soul. That person who's not living right, they're a potential soul. That person who's sick, that person who's distressed, that person who's in debt, that person who's having challenge. You know, those are the people that need to hear this word. We hear it all the time. We're so blessed. You know, we shouldn't have any excuses is the truth. But you know how many people out there need to hear this? Lots of them. And it says, break forth and sing, cry aloud, you have not labor. More of the children of the desolate than the children of the married woman, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent. Let them stretch out the curtains of your dwelling. Do not spare. Strengthen your stakes, for you shall. You shall. One of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. You shall expand to the right and to the left. Your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolated cities inhabited. Now, our city financially is in a good place, but spiritually it's desolated. Do not fear, you will not be ashamed, neither will you be disgraced, for you will not be put to shame. For you will not forget the shame of your youth, and you will not remember the reproach of your widowhood anymore. We got that word one more time. It was given to us, but it was given to us again. And my soul was damaged. And when we got that word, the last time we got this word given to us, my soul was damaged. And so I didn't say anything to anybody, but I bowed my head. I said, really, Lord, another word? Really? You know, you've given us so many words. I'm still waiting for some of them to come to pass. And I cried out to God. I said, what is wrong with me that I can't receive what you're saying here? And I'm telling you, in the blink of an eye, God didn't, I mean, it was like he was waiting for me to ask that question. He said, you're ashamed. Mm 
I'm ashamed. He said, yeah. He said, you're ashamed. He said, because, you know, you're a word of faith preacher and you're supposed to be living at this particular level based on what other people say you ought to be living. Wow. Comparison. Hello, somebody. You know, and some things have happened and you feel like you don't have faith. You're ashamed. What was he really doing? He was restoring my soul. So I said, okay, Lord, I'm ashamed. And I always ask God to kind of reveal some things to me in the Word. And I said, so what does the Word say? He said, well, what does my Word say? And he went on and showed me, he said, and showed me in verse 4, don't fear, for you will not be ashamed, one, neither be disgraced, which means ashamed, two, nor will you be put to shame, three, and you will forget the shame of your youth, four, those things which are behind, and you will not remember the reproach or shame of your widowhood anymore. And God said, I'm going to heal you of the shame. In other words, he is restoring my soul. See, we've all been through things. We've all been challenged. But God's saying, he restores your soul. He wants to heal you emotionally. He wants to heal your expectation. He wants to cause you to dream like you've never dreamed before. Amen? Amen. Somebody just won the, what was it, $1.2 billion lottery in Illinois. You know, can you see yourself winning that? Like Abraham said, Lord, I want to win the lottery. I'm praying. I want to win the lottery. The lottery came and went. He didn't win it. So, Lord, I want to win the lottery. I don't know what's wrong, but I want to win the lottery. The lottery came and went. Somebody else won it. The third time he said, Lord, I am your servant. I have prayed. I believe you hear my prayers. I want to win the lottery. And the Lord said, well, at least meet me halfway and buy a ticket. <laughs> I'm not endorsing buying lottery tickets. But what I'm saying is that, you know, God wants you blessed. And when things don't happen the way we think we, they happen, the enemy begins to work on our soul so subtle well, you don't have enough faith. That's what it really is. You're not smart enough. You don't have the right degree. You haven't been trained for this. You know, you're too old. You're too young. All kinds of things that he shames us with or discredits us with. What did David have to go through? Who'd you leave those little sheep with? You, you can't even wear a soldier's uniform, much less fight a giant. I mean, he couldn't. He couldn't put on Saul's armor, could he? What do you think you're doing here? Yeah, you just mouthing off. Punk. Think you got a word from God, you're going to be king someday? Yeah, that'll never happen. What do you have to do? He had to get his soul back. His brother shamed him because he wasn't where they were at. You know who should have been ashamed? His brother's. Because nobody was fighting a battle. You know, he had great restraint because, you know, if it were me, I would have said, what battle? <laughs> you guys are a bunch of sissies. I don't want to say anything too bad there, but, you know, cowards. You, sh you, you should know you have a covenant with God. 
And then he began to talk about this covenant with God. He said, they don't have a covenant. See, I have a God who's bigger than my circumstances. Thank you for listening today. We believe God's word is what will sustain us in any situation in our lives. For more information, please visit us at familywc.org or you can download the app. Look for us as FWC Como. Until the next time, remember, you are God's best.